Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. We're taking a trip back in time, as we often do here on Cocktail College, and back once again to the Waldorf Astoria to explore the wonderfully named Adonis Cocktail. Seriously, who doesn't want to sample a drink named after the Greek god of beauty and attraction? Actually, that's only partly true, as this cocktail's origin story includes a tasty dose of Broadway history. As for the ingredients, well, in terms of elevator pitch, you can think of this as a sherry-based stirred creation, a slightly sweeter take on the bamboo, if you will. But don't take my word for it. Nah. Today's guests, yes, multiple guests, describe the drink in a much more eloquent and enthusiastic manner. Those guests are Mary Allison Wright and McLean Hedges of Denver, Colorado's Yacht Club. A dynamic duo in every sense of the term, the married couple have music industry backgrounds, but each pivoted, are we still using that word? Back to hospitality over 10 years ago, and now find themselves as co-owners of the aforementioned Yacht Club, as well as a meet and three pop-up concept, and are both involved in Jellybone, a hospitality consulting agency. Listener, it's a deep dive on Sherry and a detour down the route of splitting bases. And it's all right here on the Cocktail College Podcast. All the way in from Denver, Colorado, the second best source, I believe, of, of natural tap water in the country, as we were just <laughs> saying here in the Cocktail College studio. McLean and Merrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, absolute thrill. The to be pleasure here. is ours. Seriously, thank you. Um, and welcome to town. Do you get to spend much time, you guys, in, in New York or has it, has it been a fun one catching up on old bars, new bars and all of the above? Kind of a bit of both of that. I mean, we it just depends on what's going on throughout the year. Sometimes we'll find ourselves here, you know, two to three times. It's been a whole year, though, since we've been here. So mm-hmm. um, it's been really nice to, like you said, go visit old spots and friends and, and check out new ones and, and make new friends. So Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah I mean, we had this conversation. We were on our way up, you know to New York, we're like, God, it's been a year since we've been there. That feels like forever since our, I mean, before we were trying to get up here as often as possible. So, yeah. Um, but the city, you just feel like you never really skip a beat. Uh, yeah. Kind of no, come right back into it. Everything is, you know, there, there might be some new things, but the city itself is, um, you know, the same in a lot of ways. and mm-hmm. It's like nothing has changed, but nothing is the same. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you're like, what is that? Where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you are in town uh, for BCB. Uh, we've been promoting it here on the podcast. This is going to go out uh, after, I believe, BCB finishes, but just the day after. We're recording week off here. We like cool. to keep things fresh on Cocktail College. 100%. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm sure a lot of fun will have been had by all by the time people listen to this. Uh, we are here to talk about the Adonis, though. Oh, and speaking yeah. of New York, distinctly, uh, historically New York drink with a lot of great ties. So, yeah, uh, McLean, do you want to kick us off and talk about the history of this drink? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, like you just mentioned, I mean, I think this is such a, a an iconic drink for New York. It was created here in the late 1800s. Um, the Waldorf Astoria Hotel was uh, a famous place for a, a lot of uh, drinking and celebrating um, and, you know, has cemented itself in history in, in a lot of ways. And uh, this drink, you know, maybe not as popular as as the uh, other drink that many people know, the Manhattan, but it's similar in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, I think it's um, the, the serve, the the flavor, the depth, all of the things that kind of the, even the build at the end of the day, we're just kind of swapping things out, you know, getting rid of the stronger spirit, bringing in some other lower ABV things that were, you know, obviously popular at the time um, have become vastly popular again, thankfully. And yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was a perfect, you know, drink to kind of kick things off in an evening. I mean, that's, you know, it was the drink that you got to have before a show, um, have two or three of them, not feel like you were getting hit over the head by six ounces of, you know, straight 40 proof plus spirits or, mm-hmm. or, or, or 40% uh, plus spirits. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, I, I think it's just one of those uh, slightly Maybe up until now, underappreciated drinks, but I feel like, you know, in the past decade, it it has certainly uh, caught back on, Mm -hmm. caught the attention of a lot of people. And I think a lot of people have run with it to either make it part of their program or use it as a a jumping off point to, um, you know, find some inspiration from to create something new. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, that 
low ABV sort of softer drinking style is something that it just allows us to uh, enjoy more of the day um, and enjoy <laughs> yeah. more of the drink and enjoy more of the people in the company. And, um, and again, just tons of flavor and tons of, uh, you know, endless possibilities to yeah. sort of wiggle around in that space. So, yeah. And, and you mentioned there as well, like, uh, this is a great drink to have before a show. So, you know, historically as well, named after that show, I think it was called the Adonis or it was called Adonis and yeah. in celebration of 500 consecutive days sort of running on Broadway, yep. which is amazing. Fun little fact that I saw there, that was uh, running at the Bijou Theatre. So yeah. another like niche cocktail there. Tie Without in. a doubt, yeah. Uh, but Mary, I was going to say, if if you're gonna sell this one to folks or try and you know explain what it is, uh, you might want to point them in the direction of the bamboo, I guess. Not that that's maybe that well known itself anyway, you know, but similar similar right. style. And I think um, like circling back to what McLean said, a better way to uh, to get people on board with it is to relate it to something that they already know instead of going, you know, to something else that you have to explain, right? And it's latching on to to the Manhattan or, or, you know, letting people latch onto something that's already familiar gives them the confidence instead of being like, oh, you don't know this. You also don't know this. So how could you possibly relate or, you know, understand what you're getting yourself into? So finding that common ground or that common language, uh, you know, I think makes them more excited um, and and gives it uh, gives them a little bit of ownership of the situation. You never want to alienate people because of something that they don't know. Right. We're here to share the knowledge and the experience. And so mm-hmm. like finding a way to make that more fun and not intimidating is uh, something that we really care about. So yeah. I think, you know, comparing it to the Manhattan and just saying it's just different flavors and, mm-hmm. and you know, a little bit lower ABV, which some people care about, some don't. But, you know, um, just talking about how it's you're getting in, it's the same mindset, just a different path. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, you know, like that tie there, I guess, to the Manhattan, the, you know, base, I'm going to say it's Spirit, with air quotes yeah. here, because yeah. we're talking about sherry uh, and sweet vermouth. Otherwise, you know, again, similar to the bamboo, but that would have been dry vermouth. Uh, is that the way you would you'd sell that then? Just like as a as you know, like think of it like a Manhattan, and and you know, I think slightly. so. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, for again, like we were we were just talking about, and like you just said, you know, essentially the build, you know, you split it, splitting the drink, you know, fifty fifty. A lot of. Um, Manhattans in general, depending on the bourbon maybe of choice or rye of choice, uh, proof-wise, whatever. Some people go to the two-to-one or they go that classic 50-50 perfect, uh, whether they're splitting or they'll split it with dry and sweet, you know, kind of to balance that out. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I and one of my favorite Manhattans is certainly splitting it 50-50. Um, again, I, I really love vermouth. I think it adds just so much depth and complexity and other flavors that um, it really helps other things shine, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we just say that you're taking uh, <laughs> you're taking the whiskey out and you're popping some right. sherry in there. Popping you some know? sherry in. Uh, Let's talk about sherry because yeah. it's it's you know I would say admired most among the bartending community and to a certain extent I would say sommeliers, but I think bartenders have definitely done more for it as a category or have a yeah. maybe perhaps easier way to sell it. Um, when did you first come across Sherry and, 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 and I would presume also fall in love with it and just marvel uh, at its delight? Truly, um, you know, we, so McLean and I were in the music industry originally, but have always just shared this passion of food and beverage. And, um, and so when we were traveling, um, in music, we, it was in, in that cocktail boom, right? In the, um, the like late. 08. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. And so 07, all of, 08. all of these things that had been quote unquote forgotten or truly like not out of production or things. Obviously, Sherry has never stopped, but um, Sherry was just uh, coming back into its own and and it was taken off the dusty shelf in the wine shop or, you know, out of someone's cabinet. And someone was like, wait a second, look at all of these classic recipes um, and and giving it a shot again. Because before, I mean, going into a wine store, you'd be like, oh, gross, you know, like no one's doing that or like mm-hmm. no one knew what to do with it or understood like how to enjoy it. Um, and I think, and that goes like I'd almost say, even like people that were in the wine world yeah. wouldn't Truly. even focus, you know, which is yeah. crazy because it is such an iconic historically, um, and as well like their flavor profiles that like every psalm, every everybody in our industry, I feel like gravitates towards. So yeah, yeah. you know, it's and, and obviously not always being a sweet wine. So 90% of them being dry wine. So it's like... Long live the bartender for (laughs) for bringing it, uh, you know, into the spotlight. And and I think a lot of it had to do with those recipes being rediscovered or refocused on um, and it just happening all, um, you know, at the same time. And 
Um, and so I don't, I can't remember the exact moment. It had to have probably, it had I to have been at like. Probably. I mean, if I really remember like the first time that I fell deeply in love with it would be in New Orleans. Yeah. Kirk Estepinal used to have that bar um, over by uh Oh Keith my fucking Co. God. What was it called? It, uh, it's going to, I, I, Sorry, Kirk. <laughs> it was like this comeback. beautiful, yeah, really gorgeous, cool space. Yeah. Like very Super vibey. Super yeah. vibey. But they really focused heavily on cobblers and, and like fortified wine drinks. And nice. So, I mean, he had one with Bonal that was crazy good. And, and obviously they had a number of different sherry cocktails. And, you know, it's hot. It's mm-hmm. sweaty. It's New Orleans <laughs> in the summertime. Yeah. And, and someone gives you this luxurious cup of crushed ice. Fruit and citrus just like so yeah and unbelievably yeah. refreshing and and then you get one to dump on your head and one to chug yeah, 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 yeah exactly <laughs> so was this this was therefore sounds like a case where you know bartenders and the bartending community were kind of out there actively pursuing this whereas you know because otherwise you get a case of things or ingredients or styles of uh spirits that have kind of benefited from a marketing push, whether that's sure. from right. like a local body or the brand itself. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean, without it, the world wouldn't have, for example, the paper plane cocktail, which right. is, you know, a great thing. 100%. But is this a case of like bartenders realizing what sherry and the sherry industry had and those guys maybe not realizing it themselves? I mean, I guess they were probably focused on cream sherry for the UK. And sure, yeah. Like, it's yeah. something that's so culturally... Um, complex and important and so it's like it's just that the lifestyle right and like I think when you're so immersed in something like in a region that's so known for like you know cognac or something it's just a such a an integral part of life that you don't necessarily think of how else it can be used or like what else people are doing with it because it's just it is what it is it's how you live it's how people around you are surviving and happening for centuries right Mm -hmm. um it's you know it's industry but it's also culture and so, um, you know, I, I really think that it was the bartender. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. I mean, you know, I mean, for, for me, it, it like using it in our rotation of life and our bars and program beverage programs that we've ever done. I mean, it was one of those things that, you know, going back to that first experience and then from there realizing that it has so many more uses than just what's written in the books, you know, mm-hmm. and right. it, you, do, you know, there's obviously like the template you can follow. And then there's the way in which you can kind of navigate outside of that realm. And, you know, when we start looking at doesn't have to be just say, something like the Adonis stirred, refined, mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, it can be uh, complex. It can be tropical. It can be fruity. It can be a right. sour. It can be Ugh. so many things. A sherry daiquiri. Are you kidding me? An Amontillado daiquiri? No way. Blow your socks off. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, there's just so many, so many, uh, you know, options for you out there. I mean, it goes great with just about every spirit in the world, depending on what you're just trying to do with it. And so, you know, and, the, and, and like getting it into people's hands one ounce at a time right. was, is somehow more, you know, it, you're, you're kind of interweaving it into people's life without having to be like half a glass of sherry. Mm-hmm. Or you're uh, dumb for not liking it or something, yeah. you know, it's like, you have to, it's, you, I mean, it really, it's, to me, it reminds me a lot of, um, the conversation with Riesling, right? Like yes. most people, it's it can go one of two ways. It's either, oh, no, sweet, or, and like they just shut down. So it's like you have to uh, have your language and your verbiage for, and, and anticipate that being something that you're going to be met with. And using that as a way to be uh, even more excited to, mm-hmm. to be like, can I, can you just give me a chance? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I promise it's not scary. I think that's one of the things, uh, maybe like a PR crisis that, that, that Sherry as a category somewhat faces, which, those trying to promote it address head on, but maybe they shouldn't, which is just like, okay, this is a complex category and it's hard to remember all the ways it's made. And that's kind of how anyone trying to introduce you to Sherry begins it. Right. Sure. But maybe you just shouldn't. Maybe just be no. like, oh, this is a Fino, this is an Amontillado, you know, this is an Oloroso. Like, they're slightly different, but yeah. this is the flavor profile rather than talking about, like, Enrama and floor and yeah. solera rather than systems. immediately yeah. giving them something that's just too much, a barrier, right? too yeah. much to digest. Exactly, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, you're leading with that barrier as opposed to just you know kind of sneaking out with like a little tasty sip here and mm-hmm. and being like, no, just enjoy it. Um, and I think uh, the sherry body and companies, you know, like Lusa are doing a good job now, like going around and telling people like um, or having cocktail competitions or going around and. And showing people how to pair it, like with actual in a, in Food, a restaurant, with, and, yeah, yeah. With, yeah. And I mean, there um, there is a lot, and and to that extent, you said like the uh, 
there's like essentially like a governing body that represents uh, the region um, and the growers. And um, obviously there are laws that are within almost any winemaking region. There are things that have to be done. And it's not like liquor brands where, you know, marketing like wine in general is never really marketed as as hard and as big as liquor brands do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're for one reason or another, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of them are farmers and they you know, spend right. time on a farm <laughs> um, and, and have been for generations. So, um, you know, and a lot of that money stays, you know, back on the farm and goes back into the production of the product. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I just don't think you, you really saw the marketing campaigns that you've seen around so many spirits, brands, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, yeah, with, with Sherry, I mean, it, they do have a governing body that is now really taking some time to give, give it a new image yeah. and, right. uh, and make sure that people do understand. Like, uh, and I think they have also come to understand that because it was such a traditional thing, a lot, I mean, I feel like probably 10, 15 years ago, if you were like, I'm, I'm throwing uh, your 20 year Manzanilla or 20 year Amontillado in my tropical drink, they'd be like, fuck mm. you. <laughs> we spent fucking 20 years on this. Like, and you're going to bastardize it in this drink. But, but I think now they've realized that, fuck, this is, this is the way, like, yeah. this is what, you know, if, if we get, if it can we, be all of it. It can be all of it. And if we want people to drink our shit, this is how they're drinking it right now. Like, Let's let's make sure that we are educating ourselves in that manner, and then going out and properly, you know, again, mm -hmm. promoting promoting what they do, um, you know, and, and what that region is all about. And so, yeah, I mean, it's. I really um, love what you said though about um, not not immediately setting that barrier to understanding what you're enjoying. It's like imagine circling back to like Riesling or something. Imagine if someone was like, "Here are the German wine laws." Yes, and now here's Riesling. Yeah. You'd be like, "No, absolutely <laughs> not." Oh yeah, like totally. Like, yeah, nope, not for me. You know, there's so many different things that kind of go into each one of these regions and these processes. Mm -hmm. and, and it's there if you want to learn about it, and it's fun. But you can also just enjoy the delicious product yeah. of, yeah, of exactly the region. I, I think the accessibility portion and like immediate enjoyment is what kickstarts your need and want to mm -hmm. maybe learn more about yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. That's you know? it, right? Our entire path. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's like, fuck, just <laughs> awesome. I can always just yeah. fucking know that you like it and just walk in just to a bar it. and tell them that you want to drink, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what the bartenders are for as well, yeah. right? They're supposed to know that. But yeah, for this drink specifically, let's go a little bit further down that rabbit hole. Sure. And, you know, Sherry in particular. Uh, classic recipe, you know, we mentioned up top could be equal parts, but might not be keen to hear what you guys do. But generally speaking, we're talking fino sherry for this one. Is that correct? Yes. Classically. And, and what are you looking for from a fino sherry for this drink specifically? I mean, per, like me, um, I, I, the sherry that we use most at our bar is Valdespino. Mm -hmm. um, I personally love Valdespino for many reasons, growing practices, the vineyard sites, the, how they manage their farm and everything else. But, um, you know, more than anything, it's, it's like a nice, powerful, focused, like iconic example of a, of a Fino Sherry. Um, and, you know, for me, I mean, obviously it, it needs to be dry. It needs to have that like structure, saline, um, saline mm -hmm. that like, um, almond skin. Mm -hmm, you want, you want classic, notes right but i think we probably look for a little bit of character and personality as yeah, well without a doubt and i mean not to say that i mean honestly you taste pretty much any fino you're gonna get a lot of character and personality right mm -hmm. but then you get into those individual again farms the floor that are living on these wines are unique to each individual you know each climate around each winery is is very unique to that place so um it's it's um you know all of those things add to it but you know finding the one that certainly makes you happy for whatever reason, whether it's flavor, farming practices, whatever. Um, for us, again, Valdespino has always been kind of our, our go-to. I, I really love Fernando de Castilla as well. Another really amazing grower, uh, small far smaller farm than say, you know, someone like Lustel, uh, mm -hmm. whose wines I also love. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Valdespino, I think hits it all for us. So yeah. like we, it's like, extremely reasonably priced and it is in like, our market and it's accessible. Like, yeah. And it's like lights out. You nice. know? It's one nice. of the same. It's like drinking Grand Cru Burgundy or something, but it's <laughs> fucking sherry. You yeah, know? Exactly. So, um, and then we're the psychos that put it in a cocktail. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and for mixing in cocktails, cause obviously, you know, we're, you know, we called it out up top there. This is taking the role of the spirit in the drink. Right. Uh, obviously it's, it's much lower in alcohol than actual spirits. 
Fino, off the top of my head, I'm also guessing is the, the lightest in terms of ABV of most, if not all, sherries too, right? You get, you sure. know, you get higher up there. So how does this drink land in terms of texture and weight? Because, you know, that's really one of the things that people don't think about that alcohol brings to cocktails, right? right? Without a doubt. So, you know, whether you're doing two to one or even equal parts here with the sweet vermouth, like... Is this just a, a, a stirred cocktail that's lighter in texture than others, or how does it compensate in any other ways? I think maybe. I mean, it's just it's different. It's just I would say maybe it's more silken and ethereal, um, as opposed to uh, something that's higher ABV being more robust, right? Um, Even though, like, I mean, robust can be like, I mean, from a flavor profile. I mean, texturally, it's like the, yeah, te- yeah, yeah, texturally. Like, I mean, I think with a, no, I I would say that like it is absolutely um, due to a number of factors. I mean, the alcohol content. I don't think at the end of the day. I mean, obviously, it affects how things really feel in your mouth and and the experiences and the flavors and things that you get. But um, I wouldn't say that like it being a lower ABV drink. I would I would say that it doesn't have an impact on the flavor, the texture, and those things. If anything, mm-hmm. it is. It's it's rich in a different way, yeah. right? It's. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you're still adding weight and things with uh, like with Verm- sugar yeah. and you Vermouth's know, got the sugar. Right. You know, you've mm-hmm. got herbs, you've got uh, the acidity, uh, right. the salinity. These things that are like so it's still wildly complex. It's just a different feel mm-hmm. in terms of texture. But it's uh, I would say it's you could I would absolutely still describe it as being rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, especially when you get out of like Fino r- right. world and like get into Amontillado and Oloroso, right. like where it truly is like bone dry, but like crazy rich right mm-hmm. yeah well that's something i was going to ask too like is there a temptation to maybe split the sherry component sure. of this drink and yes. introduce other styles of you mentioned sweetness earlier that's another way where we can get textural mm-hmm. weight without the a drink. doubt uh so what, what what would be your thinking there if you're going to split this fino with a another style of sherry which would that be for this drink do you reckon oh my gosh i mean it's i don't think there's you know i, I think within that like Depending on the vermouth, depending on the other things, yeah. you can kind yeah. of like play a little bit of Mr. Potato Head there and like, you know, bring some levels up or down. Or I mean, I, I always love, uh, you know, Amontillado and Oloroso for different reasons. Um, I think probably Oloroso is a really good split for this just um, just because it does have that like full oxidative depth that like just adds another dimension. Um, split it with Madeira. Mm. With, you know, like kind of um, uh, Oloroso and uh, Vinjone. Yeah, I mean, Ooh. yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think again, we we can kind of like take this as a template and go almost anywhere with it, right? And, yeah. I mean, and you know, you have. I think people love to have a hill that they're willing to die on, or like a cloud that they want to yell at. And at the end of the day, it's like if you want to keep splitting things or keep doing, you know, who the fuck cares? Like if that's <laughs> something that you're happy to do and you're excited about what it's creating and it makes go for it. Right. Delicious. And like, you, you hear like, you know, p- the people that are like yelling at the cloud about like it's too many things on one drink. And you're like, who the fuck cares, man? Like it's <laughs> delicious. So do it. And like I get like sometimes it's really not adding something. And so that's when you need to critically look at it. Or, you know, have someone taste and, and, and work through that. But like, and you don't just add to add. But at the end of the day, if you're creating something cool and interesting and delicious, why not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, layers. And I mean, that, yeah. a lot of times, too, it's like we, especially as I feel like cocktail culture and, and the role of, you know, kitchens and, and, and people coming from different aspects of the industry and ended up behind the bar or whatever, um, you know, adding, I mean, it's like, adding salt and pepper and adding, you know, it's adding right. seasoning. It's adding, you know, you're, you can kind of, I mean, it's like as a chef does with any dish, you know, what does this dish need? All right, well, it needs a little pop of this or it needs this. Oh, we had this one other like jelly or whatever it I may mean, be. adding stuff to sauce is how we yeah. are where we are now, right? I don't like, think anyone's if, complained about a mole having too many no, ingredients. No, that, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> imagine if someone like first created like, you know, like one of the quote unquote like creepily named mother sauces Mm -hmm. and then just stopped there and never added anything else right because they were like no no it's too much yeah, yeah. Don't add tarragon to that. Yeah, yeah. like don't, yeah, don't, don't change it to Bernays. Yeah, don't, yeah like, exactly. Don't yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah, and I mean, we got that, Hollandaise. Yeah, that's fine. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It. No, no, Stop we're good. Yeah, we're yeah. Stu- yeah. yeah, progression ends here. Yeah. And what if Heinz only went for fifty varieties of tomato in their ketchup? Yeah. You know. I mean. <laughs> no, sorry, that, but you know, fine folks over ketchup there. Ketchup rules, by the ketchup. way. Oh, <laughs> McLean is uh, puts ketchup on his ketchup person. Uh, uh yeah. I don't like homemade ketchup. Like I should say, earmuffs for Chicago people yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right then uh so 
Sherry, basically the rule is there are no rules and don't be afraid to expand into some of the other complex categories of wine uh, that are made typically in, in you know, Europe. But Fuck yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think that's the rule for every, for all of it, for life, for, mm-hmm. the, for everything we do in this industry, right? Mm-hmm. There are no rules. <laughs> or if there are, they're there to be broken. Yeah. <laughs> as far as drinks are concerned, people, you yeah. know, otherwise. You know. Um, but sweet vermouth, um, by all accounts, this is where this drink mainly differs again from that bamboo that we right. spoke about sure. earlier. Uh, what's your thinking when it comes to that component for this drink? Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think we kind of, I mean, the styles of vermouth now, especially that are available. There, so there many are, awesome options. I mean, whether it's like, yeah, young new winemakers, old school, like benchmarks, benchmarks um, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of all types of vermouth. And, you know, for me, um, I usually always keep something pretty classic around um, and and usually from a couple of different regions. I mean, I like Italian vermouth. I like French vermouth. And and then there's all the other wonderful things. So there's things usually like, like Carpano and Dolan yeah. and, you know. Yeah, or Cokie or some, you know, version of, of that. I mean, depending I think those on are the benchmarks, of, yeah. right? Like we, everyone can probably agree. Yeah, that. Martini, whatever. Yeah, I mean, right. Noli Pratt. Like yeah. the, those things are like, you know, I think there's like usually for me at least in – a lot of the wines, you know, the Italian vermouths are a little stronger as far as like flavor, richness, sweetness, maybe some slightly different aromatics. And then, you know, French vermouth in a lot of ways tends to be a touch lighter on its feet. Um, the spice level is literally a, a little more delicate. Obviously, like the grape varietals that are used are, are, are different as well. So that contributes a lot. And, you know, obviously with, I think we always think about like Red vermouth or sweet vermouth as being like a red wine, but a mm. lot of it is a white wine that's just been macerated. So, you know, you've got different aromatics, different textures, different things, acids, whatever, from the grapes that are being used as well. So, you know, I think it's about just finding the one that, again, resonates with with you. Are you a French restaurant? Why, why do you have an Italian vermouth? I mean, I don't know. I mean, who again, cares? But uh, who also cares? Like, but like, I mean, use what you have. Yeah, yeah. But or it's what like, you love and, yeah. you know, and taste it or taste a few options like with. Right. As you go, yeah, um, taste as one, you should be doing. But. Exactly. And taste the one that, like, obviously the one that, like, really, after you, if you try four vermouths with the same cocktail and one of them really stands out, like, that's the one. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I mean, going back to that, yeah, it does not matter what you carry in your program. Uh, if you're a French restaurant, you want to use Italian vermouth, doesn't matter. Um, but at the but same time, at, yeah. but it might also be like, we're a French restaurant, we should maybe use French vermouth yeah. or like, let's, let's. Or we already have it in house. Yeah, or if we're, the options yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, every program is going to be different. Like, I mean, some are going to be cocktail bars, some are going to be restaurants, um, and and so it's yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be. And then again, the accessibility aspect of what's available in your state. Not everything's going to be available. So, and then uh, just profit, and you know, yeah. and, you yeah. know, running a sustainable bar yep. point, bar program from a yeah from a financial point of view. Um, so for taking all of those boxes, what tends to be your your, your go-to and one again Ooh. also I guess um, versatility is another part of this right yeah. that it doesn't just work great for the Adonis but it also makes I mean Manhattan and then Negroni and whatnot right like right. That the sweet vermouth has to has to be an all-rounder uh, yeah it should be I mean it, it I mean again you know we work with a few different vermouths so it's really t- I mean like and, and <laughs> <laughs> I think McLean's having a hard time answering this definitively because oh, it's yeah. like it depends on the second of the day like which <laughs> which one he's reaching for yeah 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 it's I like mean, it's, it's just, just the, the vibe right yeah yeah, yeah. 100% I mean um, you know I, for this I mean I love I, I think Lou Stiles uh, vermouths are really wonderful I uh, do use a lot of Koki I use a lot of Martini like Embrado and the Rubino um, and so like uh, you know, it just all depends on a different day for me. But I, if I was making like a traditional one at my bar, I'd probably reach for like Dolan or uh, Koki and and then go that route. And then we can kind of get outside of that realm. If someone's mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. Well, actually, I saw this vermouth that you have. Could we Maybe try Maybe someone that? likes or, to geek out on it. Or we have, yeah. a, you know, um, Natty Wineheads or something. That, yeah, like, and they see, want some yeah. Partita Cruz vermouth right. or, you know, and, and something totally again, different from a small producer who's making something uniquely awesome that still allows, I mean, you make adjustments where you need to, right? You know, you've got the template here of, of like, here's the recipe and here's, but then within that, you know, you pick and choose what you want to, what you want to use. And then <laughs> this is the most McLean way of answering a question of all time. I feel like, oh yeah, <laughs> like he's, he's known for his buttermilk pie. And when you ask for the recipe, I'm like, quick, we need it right this second. I've got to send it off or something. <laughs> 
you'd be like, oh, well, where, what state are they in? What is their closest supermarket? <laughs> what, what flour do they have access <laughs> yeah. to? Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Is there good local buttermilk or are we using something, no, you, you know, more industrial? answer every time. <laughs> yeah. But the, the short answer is always so hard. Uh, <laughs> keep so it classic, I, keep it simple, you know? Yeah. I will ask you to commit to a recipe in a short yeah. while, but yeah. before we oh, do, God. yeah. Uh, so no. <laughs> might go and put the kettle on now for that one. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, before we do classically, this drink, I believe, doesn't include, uh, you know, bitters or anything, but just keen to hear whether that's something you want to incorporate too, and also what you're thinking in terms of totally. garnish perspective. Yeah, I mean, I have all the thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> here goes the next hour-long answer. Uh, well, I no. mean, if you taste it, and right before, you know, if you taste it and it needs bitters, add bitters. Or if you taste it and yeah. it tastes perfect, don't add, you know, like... So here's a question for those out there who don't have years of experience behind the bar and who like drinking but maybe don't try and analyze things bit by bit. Right. How do you know when something needs bitters? Because I've always likened it to like pepper in the kitchen because people just crack on pepper like there's no tomorrow. But a few people just know that as a chef, as a former chef, that was one of the hardest things when it came to seasoning. Like, you know, when you have too much salt. Right. Yeah. And you know when something needs salt, but pepper is very hard. So. I think it's like, do you like pepper, right? Like mm-hmm. pepper is almost more like, yes, it adds. It's like very, um, I mean, I love pepper. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like a crack black pepper on everything, dump it and stuff. Um, but I think for pepper is like one of those things like bitters where it's like, if you love it, do it. And if not, it's probably okay without it, right? Like yeah, there's some dishes the- that don't need pepper. And some like if you're making white sausage craving, you don't put pepper in it. I'm probably going to you know, we're going to have an issue in the kitchen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, like bitters add that layer of, yeah. of complexity one way or another. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's up to the, the, the drink and the, the person. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, if I'm using, say for, for this cocktail in particular, if I'm using orange bitters, which is, I, I usually would gravitate towards like something citrus aromatic for this. I mean, I might even go celery or do something, you know, different that, Depending on what I'm looking for, right? Am I looking for a sa- a little more savory edge or am I going this like classic route? And if I'm going like orange bitters, you know, is it something like if, if it's Reagan's, like there's a lot of cardamom in that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. But to someone else, I don't know. Maybe they like something just more straightforward, softer, just orange peel. Um, and so like maybe the twist of orange oil over the top really hits that mark. And, and you know, you don't need to add that layer of cardamom and spice and stuff. So... Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I think the drink without bitters can be equally as interesting and and complex because of maybe the choice of vermouth and sherry and the things that you use um, in the beginning to get there. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, vermouth has a lot of the same agents that are in your bitters anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Like spices, barks, things of the sort. So at the end of the day, like, I don't think it is a make-or-break situation, but if you have the right bitters and the right thing and it all comes together, then why the hell not? I mean, McLean is a fantastic chef, like, unbelievably awesome. And, I, like, I feel very fortunate that that's, like, the normal food that I get to eat. I am not. So, <laughs> like, he's, he came up in kitchens. I can make cereal and um, <laughs> a peanut butter and jelly, like, really well. But so for someone who doesn't have that background, right, or, like, the cocktail background, it's like, how do you know? Well, like, what if you just put them side by side and you have one with and one without and you taste them back and forth mm-hmm. and you pick the one that you like better? Like, that's probably an easier way. Like, does it need pepper? Like, what does it taste like with and without pepper? What's, what's your preference? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. Um, so Do you want your Caesar salad with fresh cracked pepper on it or not? Right. Like, well, yeah. Right. And that just comes from tasting and knowing. And um, but like the side by side comparison, I think, is always really nice because then you can. You don't, you're not like, oh, did I like it the first way better? You know, it's like, then you can actually definitively like have them next to each other and, and yeah. see what it adds. And Especially see at home, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously that maybe isn't not the experience service. you're going to get at a no. bar. No. If you like sit down, can I have the Adonis two ways, please? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. no. This is definitely <laughs> but, at home. But yeah, right? yeah. But, or, or, or part of recipe development. Yes. So it sounds right. like that would be a very standard sort of like a, a, a check to go through. Like, sure. will this drink benefit from... Bitters. The addition, yeah. right. If so, let's try them. Actually, you know what? It works better without. Yeah. yeah. Or um, or again, like you said, or with. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, I, and to that extent, too, and going back to the whole seasoning thing, you know, salt goes a long way, especially in this, this drink. Mm-hmm. Um, you've already got things that kind of grow up 
you know, along the coast that are influenced by that salinity. And um, mm-hmm. when you've got all of these flavors and slightly bitter notes and things coming in from the vermouth, that salt really kind of like brings a couple of things together mm-hmm. um, and really helps harmonize some things. So, you know, at the end of the day, you are seasoning with one thing or another, however. And I think salt being something that has certainly become more prevalent in cocktails uh beyond the margarita and stuff like that, especially in the past few years. Yeah. Um, and I think for that exact reason, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we're not like just putting shit in, like salting it just to make it saltier. <laughs> it's like you, you know, pop some salt in certain drinks and like, holy shit. It affects shit. the bitterness. Like, it yeah. makes other text- flavors shine, right? It's like. Texture uh, it makes your mouth water. You right. know? I mean, there's just so many layers that it can be very positive. And so, I mean, again, to this, going back to the Adonis, I, I a little, a little bitter is a little salt. No bitters, a little salt. Depends on kind of the, the day, the vibe, the the vermouth, the things at hand. But. The celery okay. bitters was um, mm. interesting. We frequently used to compare sherry to ants on a log for people that are like, what does it taste like? Or, you know, the, that's it's so nostalgic for some people. Um, and that flavor combination works, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. It just like is the wackiest thing. But it's like it all already exists in sherry pretty much, right? You have like nuttiness and salt yeah. and these like celery vegetal notes and dried raisin and dried fruit. And, and so it's like, well, um, and, uh, yeah. And, and like even comparing this drink to a martini instead of a Manhattan, which we haven't even done yet, which right. is crazy because it kind of can fall into that. I mean, I think for the martini drinker, especially, you know, especially with the salt added and, and things like celery, you know, a lot of people, if, whether you're a dirty martini drinker, a dry martini drinker or whatever, um, a lot of times there's some savory aspect going on, whether you're getting a pickled olive garnish, or mm-hmm. olive, a, an onion, a, uh, or just, you know, the vermouth and, and some bitters and a big lemon twist and it's super bright. Um, you know, all of these garnishes kind of, and, and the like treatment of this drink kind of, there's a lot of similarities. And I think that like with the, with this drink, like how I, and going back to maybe that recipe of sorts, mm-hmm. when we serve, <laughs> no, our, we're getting into it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When we serve our, our like maybe version of, of this drink at our bar, the celery bitters garnish it with, you know, uh caper berry. And, and like, so it's kind of like a slightly savory, but still like unctuous and, and totally, you know, different, uh, mm-hmm. It's not a martini and it's not a Manhattan, but it's still like you you could easily be like, I like both of those and I like this. So mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and, and there's a comparison, you know, you can you can find some similarities and find that that gap to make it one way or another. I think, uh, you know, if you are more of a martini drinker, I think there's a way for this drink to be leaning more towards that martini drinker. If right. you're more of a Manhattan drinker, there's certainly a way to make this drink lean more towards the Manhattan drinker. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very extremely versatile, mm-hmm. I think, and really a cool canvas to play with like there's lots to do lots to split lots to mix up yeah mm-hmm. and nice. slight and those really slight flavor adjustments go a long way mm-hmm. right you know? so so typically at this point of the show we we ask our guests our guests to commit to what they believe to be the ultimate recipe or <laughs> their their the recipe that they would you know pin up for this drink I'm going to ask, I'm going to make it a little easier. I'm going to say, what's the version? Can can you walk us through the version that you would make right now? Just based upon, you know, all right, we've been chatting about this, this conversation. Here's the Adonis that you would make for us right now. Uh, and can you give us quantities for that? And again, feel free to call out brands and, and sure. talk us through how you'd make that, please. Sure. I mean, I have two that I would do because we just... <laughs> How's <laughs> that, Mary? Long, that's pretty long, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the longer, <laughs> the longer answer, but no, it's, I, again... Uh, talking to that guest uh, and talking to you, like I would, mm-hmm. I would probably ask you, like, what do you typically like to drink? I'm a that? martini and the, drinker. Great, so and I love I, a caper berry. Just yeah. for the record, well, and and so we awesome. pretty much kind of got there. Um, mm-hmm. or, so I mean, yeah, uh, celery bitters, uh, a lemon twist instead of an orange twist, um, Valdespino, Valdespino fino, innocente, mm-hmm. and um, and just a delicious sweet vermouth. Uh, I I would probably when I'm going on the little more like martini style drink i'm going for a french vermouth probably something like dolan and if i'm going a little richer and bigger and for that manhattan drinker um, i'm probably going to go with something like Koki. and mm-hmm. i do like to do the classic kind of split base mm-hmm. um and again depending on which way i go if it needs a touch more sugar or a touch more acid i'm going to add it one way or another which mm-hmm. we do an acid solution with citric and malic acid and we have salt solution as well so it's kind of again always using those things to to kind of season but it's always like a, a little extra dash of acid a little dash of salt um and sometimes maybe a bar spoon of uh 
you know, simple syrup if the drink needs it mm -hmm. um, or if I want it more dry mm -hmm. and a little more robust. The other side, too, we have one on our menu right now that's sort of a, a variation of, of the Adonis that has a touch of raspberry eau de vie in it. Ooh. That mm -hmm. is really wonderful. Which gets these, I don't know why, but raspberry eau de vie in particular gets these really cool, unexpected, um, like, savory notes. Like agricole, like, it's like funk, very it, reminiscent yeah. of agricole and, like, that almost, like, olive, like, yeah. um, Castle Vetrano olive thing or something. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy coming from something like a raspberry, but yeah, yeah. It, yeah. And and so we we do that. It's, it's Madeira-based instead of... Uh, Cherry, but mm -hmm. we, we do it with Madeira and uh, raspberry eau de vie. Equal parts um, on the on the sherry and sweet vermouth, by the way. Uh, equal parts this. on the sherry, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. On the cla on, on like on the classic. Like if you came in and and again sat down, you you were a martini drinker. I'm gonna make you the version that that I like to drink when I'm just kind of hanging out. Mm -hmm. um, again, slightly savory, that little pop of celery, mm -hmm. lemon twist instead of an orange twist. Glassware, brighter. Um, I like. That's so tough. Um, I, I mean, serve, serve it, serve it up. I mean, you know, serve it up. Yeah. Serve it up. You know, whether it's a martini glass or a uh, Nick and Nora. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't really love it on like a big piece of ice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> McLean is the human embodiment of the old, like you know, Southern cookbook that's like dash pinch whatever. Like he is <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. that yeah, like, like in human form. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. actually an old Southern lady. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah. Yeah. The recipes are, uh, I feel like we're almost there. So are, specifically yeah. Yeah. ounces of each ounce and a half of sherry ounce and a half of vermouth. Mm -hmm. And to circle back around, that was Valdespino. Oh, Fino, Val Fino, and yeah. And Dolan mm -hmm. Rouge. Wow. I know. We're wow. so close. We're, and then, we're, and we're then, what's next? Celery. Celery bitters. How much? Uh, one to two dashes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just depends on, well, I mm -hmm. will say it depends on the brand. Like, are you mm -hmm. using Bitter Truth? Are you using Scrappies? Are you using whatever? So, uh -huh. again, knowing, tasting, making mm -hmm. sure you're not overdoing it. But, and then um, what? And then a dash of salt. Okay. Or a pinch of salt. If And, and if we, we make a 10, uh, essentially like a 10% salt solution. Um, and so for us, that is like just a dash and it's really mm -hmm. good. Um, so assuming that you have now stirred this and perfectly diluted it, what are you, which glass are you straining this into? And then <laughs> Fine work here, Mary. What are you garnishing it with? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I can just sit back here. <laughs> just, <I'm sorry. laughs> Help me. Like, we're going to get this out of him one way or another. Uh, um, yeah, put it in a Nick and Nora glass. Uh-huh. If you have strain a into a Nick and Nora yeah. cold yeah. one, if even better. Yes, ideally <laughs> out of the freezer. If it's not being served on that ice cube, that yeah, some people might want it on ice cold glasses. Ice necessary. cold glasses, yeah. I mean, um, so yeah, cold glass. Nick and Nora lemon lemon is twist on this one. But is it going in there or are we discarding? I discard it. it. Okay, yeah, um, because caper berries going in. Ah, uh, caper berries coming in after yeah. the old one two. Nice, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. nice. It would even be cute, like the the twist around the caper mm. berry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just get rid of it. <laughs> you know what? I don't need trash in my drink. Yeah. I am also a fan of discarding citrus, except with my Sazerac. That's like, I want it in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And I know that's that can be contentious. It's like more modern to, it's more modern yeah. slash Morgenthaler to discard, which is great. And it's, I will drink that delicious Sazerac that way too. But like, yeah. I want it in there. Yeah. But and yeah, so if I'm making and if and if you've maybe never had one before and and you've never had a bamboo, you really you know don't haven't had cherry. I'm gonna make you the traditional. I'm gonna I'm, we're going old school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, start with the classic. And, yeah, start with the classic. Build a foundation. Just, you know, yeah. I mean, the best part is is like you know, and I know this isn't true for maybe every everybody, but for for us, we're you know we're a small bar. We're it's just it's it's us and our crew, and um. You know, we do have the ability to make sure that people are happy. And if we hand them something and they aren't happy with what they have, we are going to make them happy. I'm going to throw it against the wall and start mm -hmm. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're go we're gonna we're gonna get to a level ground, and we're gonna yeah. get them what they want. And if that mm -hmm. means we got to take a drink away and get them something new mm -hmm. and and sacrifice, and that's not like, like the customers always right horseshit. It's like yeah. we have the ability to adjust the situation and be yeah. hospitable and create something that like makes everyone have mm -hmm. a better time. Right. And, and if, and if I was stoked on the Adonis and talking about Sherry with you, and then that's the reason I'm pouring you this drink and you don't like it. That's on me for <laughs> right. like mm -hmm. being like, you should try this. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if, obviously if we get there and it's, it's, it's well, loved, then great. That's part of our language too at the bar. A lot of things like um, I mean, fortunately, Denver is at a point now where like a lot of people are familiar with a lot of the things, uh, a lot of the products, but there are many people that aren't. And that's great. 
And so, you know, they're kind of like, if I can tell someone's like, uh, like a little scared or hesitant and, you know, they're like worried about not liking something and maybe they just want to go to their like fallback. I'm like, just get it. And if you hate it, we'll start over. Right. And then, and then that gives them like the, the confidence or like the opportunity to try it without like the fear of, did I waste my money or am I going to just have to suffer through this? Or is it going to be awkward if I tell them I don't like it? Right. Mm -hmm. So we really want to give people that opportunity to, um, to know that it's like, we're all in this together. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, well, that's the Adonis. Is it? Is the, Was it? The Adonis. <laughs> is it? We nearly missed it, but we got the <laughs> We got the recipe. Um, I was going to say, is, is this safe? I'll, for... I'll write that one down for you just so it's not uh, so <laughs> abstract. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Is this wise of me to ask this, Mary? Any final thoughts on the Adonis before we move into our weekly Five recurring questions. Oh, God, you can't guests. possibly have a final thought on it. <laughs> <laughs> Drink it. Drink it. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, I, d- I don't think I've ever come across such enthusiasm for this drink. So that's wonderful. And I bet so many people will be listening to this having not tried it and being like, I'm, I'm buying Valdespino. Which celery bitters brand am I getting? I don't yep. know. It's yep. a, I'm low on caper berries. But, yep. you know, all of the all of the above. I think this is people are going to be right there right now. Before they do though, don't don't go anywhere, listeners, because right now we're gonna we're gonna kick off those weekly questions. Um and I wanna hear answers from both of you for these. Uh we're gonna go to Mary first though for the first one, and that is what style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bar? Or this could be hypothetical saying maybe you have different back bars if you wanna go that um, way. Are we talking bar back bar or home back bar? Let's go home back bar for this one because otherwise your answer would be the same. I'm going uh, either mezcal or bourbon. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a neat bourbon or mezcal drinker most of the time. And so that's like, again, I think that goes back to um, like the immediate uh, gratification. Um, like when I make a, a fancy bowl of cereal, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just want it. <laughs> uh, but no, in all, in all honesty, I actually really enjoy... Um, uh, old bourbon uh, and mezcal, and uh, I think there's so much to be, so much complexity and enjoyment in just that singular uh, spirit, and and adding nothing to it. That that's normally what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. McClay, champagne <laughs> <laughs> um, on the back bar. Hey, you know what? Well, you got everywhere. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. No, but uh, I think at home and at the bar for me, it's probably both Madeira and rum are are two of my favorites to to enjoy. Mm-hmm. When, whether I'm going out and having cocktails or I'm like, I got one thing I'm going to sit and sip on. It's, it's usually falls into that, that realm. Um, Madeira one, because it can sit on my back bar. It's already as fucked up as you can fuck it up. It's <laughs> oxidized and, and yeah. cooked and done. You know, it, it's almost, you open a bottle and it just gets better. It doesn't get worse. So it's <laughs> like, it can sit on my back bar forever. Um, and I'm happy with having more and more pile up if I need it. And then, you know, uh, rum, I, I always kind of gravitate towards in general, just for many different reasons. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, An old Southern there. lady pirate. That's what he is. <laughs> Fantastic. That's high praise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number two, coming back to you again, McLean here to give the answer for this one first. Which ingredient or tool do you believe to be the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal. My God. Um, we've talked a lot about some of those things today. Um, Madeira, I, I would absolutely put on there with you know, my desert island situation and and something I think that's always been underappreciated and yet has such historical significance and longevity and, yeah, just so many things. I, I We pour a lot of it at our bar, um, but that's by, you know, design to an extent. I mean, one, it's something that I think we both love. But we do a lot of, you know, our, our drinks are all split based in some capacity with wine. Every single drink on our menu has some fortified wine or some other wine in general involved in it. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's about like using all of these tools and things that are at our fingertips that we don't usually think about in maybe cocktail world or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or just haven't been exposed to yet because it is something like Venjone or, or Macvan or whatever right. it may be. And yeah, so uh, Madeira falls into that category for me, though. I, we, like I said, we we sell a lot of Madeira, freakishly a lot of Madeira, um, but but that's by the why. ounce in people's drinks. You know, it's like yeah, um, and, and more and more so, people are realizing that holy shit, I love this stuff, and I had no idea. And then they have it neat, and they're like, what the fuck? Is right, going like on? a really cool vintage. Yeah, and pour. just totally yeah. blow your fucking mind, and um, and also just like 
something that's like comforting and delicious. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So uh, that that for me is is by far the I think slightly most underrated, but mm -hmm. um, most appreciated in our in our world. Nice, Mary. Any any thoughts to add there, or any alternatives? A wine key. Wine key. Mm -hmm. I would say that's uh, yeah. You always either have the five choice. around you or none, right? Like, yeah. like, well, they're in like a sharpie. They're yeah. in McLean's pockets. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Exactly. Uh -huh. Or in our house because he brings them yeah. home and Sorry, I have to crew. return them back to the bar. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, here you go. Yeah, I, I do like to hold on to sharpies and lighters. wine keys and lighters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like liars. No one's ever bought one. They just get passed around. Yeah. I don't recall ever buying one. No. Yeah, yeah. You just end up with four at <laughs> the end of a night. Wonderful. Um, all right, question number three, Mary, what's the most important piece of advice you've received while working in this industry? Oh, God. Um, I feel like you got some good advice yesterday from a friend. Oh, my God, that was excellent advice. And I wasn't <laughs> even thinking. I was trying to think further back. I know, um, right? Mm -hmm. I actually did uh, receive some really awesome advice from a friend because I was just talking about like uh, like things that I want to pursue or do. And he was like, and like the fear of like, you know, a new a new skill or something. Mm -hmm. And he was like, don't wait until you're quote unquote perfect. Don't wait until you're unlocking like that magical skill set or or you've reached like that point that you're putting on it. Right. Um, and just and just go for it and start doing it mm -hmm. um, because you're going to grow and you're going to learn. Um, and I think that speaks to so much of um, of what we do. It's like perfection and pedigree are are not measures of success. Right. Um, and you don't have to get to a certain point um, before you can start uh, really pursuing something. And I, having someone remind me of that was so huge because, like, that's something that that we preach. But you you get in your own head and um, and you love to create these barriers for yourself that don't really have to exist. Um, so I would say for sure. Mm -hmm. And then I once had a GM, a really awesome GM, say remind me when I was um, frustrated in a situation that, you know, everyone is the protagonist of their own story and understanding that for each person, everything is happening to them or they're doing things, you know, it's like, and so understanding that and just putting that in your mind of like why people are reacting certain ways or acting certain ways, it's like, well, because they're the star of their own show, right? And so we need to remember that like, it's not all intentional if someone's, um, uh, you know, doing something, it's like, that's that's who we are. We are our own we are our own stars and we are our own shows. And so understanding that like um, you can all work together, but um, you really need to like meet people where they are and like mm -hmm. and understand that like uh, it is. You know, I, I'm rambling now, but um, <laughs> uh, just, I like it. I love it. We're all the protagonists in our own shows. Yeah, and, you know, good and bad that comes with that too. But also just the some yeah, or sometimes like you know you have a really bad day. Maybe you right. mess something up. You're like blows things out of proportion Without you're like everyone else is in their own show yeah. doing their thing right yes. and you're just a, a side character in yeah that. so you know good and bad yeah mclean uh oh my god i'm trying to think of like advice i probably should be giving myself sometimes uh, <laughs> um i think more than anything like um sort of comes from from mary and and her mom uh and her mom's like uh outlook on on life and I, maybe it's maybe it's a southern thing maybe it's just a, i think it's just a, a people thing but um be sweet uh goes a long way mm -hmm. you know take some time out of your day to just like put your shit behind you and focus on i mean we're in the hospitality industry so like taking care of people and entertaining and um doing that sort of thing is, is we're leading with kindness right yeah, like, i think that's what yeah. it's all about um, right right and and you get a lot more out of out of those experiences when your mindset is put in that different perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, you come at it with with aggression, anger, frustration, whatever it may be. Um, it shows at the end product or the end conversation, or the, you know, whether it's with staff, with a guest, however, it, whoever it may be with. Yeah, approaching it with kindness and and just a a, a little more of an open mind, knowing that maybe you're not always right or there is another way to look at it is always uh, been more successful than than the other way. So, <laughs> um, wonderful yeah. words of advice there. Penultimate question here: If you could only visit one last bar in your life, what would it be? <laughs> oh, damn! All right, Robert's Western World. Yeah, I was like, I already knew yours. I was. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. Oh God, I love it. I'm like a. 
a dive bar fanatic. Like my dad was a bar fly for better and worse. And there's like, it's like the feel, the smell, everything. It just like fuels me. It, it's like where I find inspiration and it's so comforting to me. And you mix in layers of country and fried bologna sandwiches and you've stolen my heart. So that's like. Well, it's like real. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's fucking real. Yeah, well, it's not I, like yeah. some. And not to say it's not some overly produced not like shit, con- not contrived concept or whatever that's just been yeah. put out into the world. It's it started the idea of of what a yeah. real honky tonk is. I mean, it's yeah. like one of the the original uh, legendary honky tonks. Yeah, and it's it's so a you have culture. History, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's it checks all the boxes for me, and it just feels like home. I love it there, and the energy is like. I always have a Robert's Western World koozie on me at all times. Yep. <laughs> and that is not an exaggeration. Very true. <laughs> Truly. Fantastic. In my purse right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That is that is real hard. I mean, I Mary and I drink pretty and, and enjoy. I mean, we've been together for 20 years or over 20 years now. And um, we do a, almost everything together. So a lot of our... Um, interests are, are kind of the same in, in that regard. We, we both are very much dive bar people um, or just neighborhood bars. Yeah. Again, places that are, that are real and, you know, have, have a, a culture that has um, been built over many years mm-hmm. um, and, and many different walks of life. And it's not a, but, you know, to that extent, um, I don't want to be like lame and say Roberts, but it is, <laughs> That's, it is one of those, like, <laughs> it is one of those bars, like every time we're back home, like, or anywhere even in the area. It doesn't even have to be like, we're like driving through for like an hour, mm-hmm. you know, just like running through the city. We're like, we should probably just stop at Robert's just real see, quick. Just, just see how they are. Just, just run in. Make sure and, everyone's doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, it is. It's it's like a, a tradition of sorts for sure. Um, it's, it's a pretty wonderful place. I, I have a hard time. I mean, I think there's every city's got such special places that are so unique to, to those places. I mean, I think I could probably every city I have a favorite bar in. So mm-hmm. the, the, the end all be all is a tough one, but I do mm-hmm. mu- music is a huge part of our life. And, um, and just like casual connections with people are, are part of that. And Roberts does a really good job of, of both of those. It's the best music in town and it's a really great place to go hang. So Fantastic. it's pretty tough to like not agree with you. On that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then last question for you both today. If you knew that the next cocktail you drank was going to be your last, what would you order or make? Sazerac. Mai Tai. (laughs) (laughs) Those are our favorite cocktails. Like, it's, I mean, like, we have many that we love, but, like, I think um, those are the ones that, like, if we don't know what we're in the mood for or if we see it on a menu, it's, like, it's the go. It's the fallback. It's also we can't not order it. And even know? if I'm like, ah, I really don't have confidence in this mai tai being that great, but mm-hmm. fuck it, I'm going. Yeah. I'm in. Let's go. It's on the menu. It's I'm getting it. It's on the menu. Yeah. I'm going. Um, some of the best mai tais in my li- I've had in my life have been some of the worst mai tais yeah. I've had yeah. in my life. If that makes sense, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, in a lot of time, it's about the the place and the people the and the place. the other things yeah. that are happening yeah. around it. I mean, you know, obviously, it's like a mental escape or mm-hmm. whatever you want to like. And I, again, rum is, is a big part, but that's, that's a hard, that's a, you know, another one. Cause I drink a shitload of champagne and I also love fortified wine. So it's like, <laughs> you know, if I had to choose one, I guess it is, it is going to be, uh, the Mai Tai, but there's, um, a great example of that one. Tony's on the pier out in Redondo beach Ooh. in California. Oh yeah. Known for their Mai Tai. They've served, I forget how many thousand millions they've served now, yeah. but you go there it's this beautiful place right on the Pacific Ocean, on the pier. You're in this like wheelhouse kind of situation up there. And the rum, I like to think I have a good knowledge of spirits. I saw which rum they were using from the well. I've never seen this in my life. It's the equivalent of like someone reaching for Georgie gin. Yeah. It's that and sour mix and you can do a double and you get to keep the glass at the end of the day. And it tastes disgusting, but it looks amazing. And the and space is the awesome. The space yeah. is incredible. Yeah. And that's it, right? Like yeah. That yeah. is the... Fuck yeah. yeah. Truly. I mean, I think everybody who's probably going to listen uh, to this has their like drink that... It's like their their dirty secret drink or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> like oh, fuck, yeah, it's, I don't even care. I'm going to drink it every time yeah. I go there or whatever, <laughs> yeah. uh, whether it's like a Stoli Rasin soda or whatever the fuck <laughs> oh, it may be, yum. you know, uh, which we were drinking some of last night. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things of, 
it do, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. like such a, it's an experience. It, it's, does it make you feel good? Is it nostalgic? Yeah, exactly. I mean, is it, it's it, the end of the day, it's, it's what you want, mm-hmm. right? And what you enjoy. And, um, and if it makes you feel good, great. Amazing. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. And I um, hope you enjoy the rest of your time in town. Oh, God. Oh We've God. had a lot of enjoyment out of this <laughs> yeah, so far. Since the rambling, I'm yeah. like nearly brain dead at this point. Ration that enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if it's uphill or downhill from here. So <laughs> yeah. it's going to just be a roller coaster and it's going to be great. And uh, yeah, we can't. We've got a couple of events coming up. And so it should just be fun. And yeah. we can't wait. See yep. all of our friends. And Blessed to call this work. Yeah, for Amazing. sure. Yeah, likewise. Well, thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. I thank appreciate you. it. Okay, I know what you're thinking, folks. That was a lot of info. But here's the good news. Every single episode of Vinepair's Cocktail College is published on vinepair.com as a transcript. So you can check it out there all over again. If you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe. And please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please tell your friends now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded in New York City and produced by myself and Darby Seaside, who also composed our awesome theme music. Just give that a listen, folks. I also want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the Vinepair team, especially co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon, editor-in-chief Joanna Sherino, and art director Daniel Grinberg, who designed our killer logo. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time.